Welcome everybody to the Nerd Pool Podcast with the fat fool who loves Deadpool, your host, Jamie. The water's fine. Come on in. What's up everybody and welcome to yet another episode of the Nerdful Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me, it's me, it's the J-M-I-E, your 47th favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa down this road of nerdiness. Today, we're taking a trip into the mind of a madman. That's right, the Joker movie has just been released. Now, if you guys have known me and listen to the podcast and pretty much anything I've ever said. I was so skeptical of this movie. I thought this movie was going to suck. I was like, there's no reason for this movie. I don't want an origin story for the Joker. I, I really don't. I don't like it. I don't like when they give it. We've gotten two or three through DC Comics through the years. And I kind of like it because they always keep it ambiguous as if it's the real Joker origin story or not. The one we all pretty much take is the one from... The Killing Joke, where he was a stand-up comedian who took a job with some gangsters to rob Ace Chemicals, got caught, thrown into a vat, becomes a Joker. We all kind of take that, even though I don't like that. I like I like taking the Joker as just being a nut job. We don't know why he does what he does. But Todd Phillips has released a Joker movie that is a standalone, not connected to the DCEU, or is it? We have yet to find out. Uh, as always, there will be spoilers for the Joker movie within this podcast. So if spoilers are what you're trying to avoid, then this might not be for you just yet until you've seen the movie. If you don't care, then let's keep listening. Joaquin Phoenix takes on the mantle of the crowned prince, or excuse me, clowned prince of crime as he dons the makeup for the Joker. Let's just get right into it. First off, his suit isn't really purple. It's more of a burgundy magenta the Joker is only a small, small, minuscule, very short part of this movie. Now, it's an origin story, so you weren't you weren't going to get a lot of it. It's kind of, to me, like Batman Begins, in that you see how he gets to the part of being the Joker, but you get a very small part of the Joker. Now, again, the suit is magenta. It's not really purple. The hair is green. The makeup is... To me, I, did, I didn't like the makeup. I know some people thought it was nice. They thought it was kind of a throwback to the Cesar Romero Joker, which I don't get. It looks nothing like that. It's It looks too much like a clown, and that's not the Joker as I know the Joker. Now, granted, it might evolve. It, it could be that... There could be a number of reasons to why his makeup is done this way. If you've seen the movie, you know what it is. He was a clown. Um, he kills three men on a subway that are beating him, and so the clown makeup kind of represents the anti-establishment and, you know, going against the grain, going against the elite, and so that's why he kind of dons it. It makes sense within the story. I just didn't care for it when we're talking about it being the Joker. The Joker makeup to me is basically a white face with his red lips into his smile. You know, it's, it's a classic. The most accurate portrayal of what I think the Joker looks like is probably... Jack Nicholson's from the 89 Batman. Now, getting into this movie, Joaquin Phoenix does an amazing job. I mean, he is incredible in this role. He really draws you into the character of Arthur Fleck. 
the the struggles he takes, the battles within himself to basically take on a world that he feels has abandoned him and not helped him with even his mental illness. This is a deep portrayal into mental illness, and it's kind of taxi driver-esque as it's basically, like it said, it's one man's descent into madness. This film is not for everybody. I will say that right out of the gate. This film is intense. It doesn't, the media has portrayed it to be as this violent gore fest, and it's really not. There are some very violent scenes in it, but you see worse stuff in Saul. You see worse stuff in Halloween. You've seen worse stuff in other films. This is just because the subject matter is so intense that they're trying to make it seem worse than it actually is. And the media needs to be ashamed of what they're doing with this film and what they're trying to incite with this film. I'm not getting political on this podcast. That's not what this is about. I'm just saying that if you've read any of the news about what's going on with this film and it's just that they're hoping for something that doesn't need to be hoped for. Anyway, back to what I was saying about this film. It is very dark and it is intense and... The the story and the ride it takes you on can get emotional. It takes a while to get into it. Like this isn't a a you know bam and we're there. It's a very slow burn because you're literally seeing Joaquin Phoenix and his character Arthur Fleck. You're actually seeing him lose control, lose faith in humanity, lose faith in the people that actually care about him because it, just different stories that hit. The one story that came out months ago that they were going to rumor that Arthur was going to be the son of Bruce, uh, or was going to be the son of Thomas Wayne, be Bruce Wayne's brother. They played it, but they didn't play it. Again, this is straight spoilers. Arthur lives with his mother, Penny. Penny calls him happy. Penny has always told him that he's there to make the world a better place, to make people smile. Um, they spend their nights watching the Murray. The Tonight Show, basically it's a Tonight Show knockoff with a, a host played by Robert De Niro. And Arthur has visions of being on the show, uh, you know, saying he loves you, Murray, out in the crowd. Murray seeing him, him telling his story about living with his mother, him wanting people to laugh. Murray bringing him on, hugging him, saying, you know, I wish I had a son like you. He has these visions. And that's something that plays out through this film, is Arthur having visions and delusions of grandeur um he meets a girl on an elevator in his room in his apartment building and she has a daughter who's kind of annoying her and and she makes a gesture with her guns pointed to her head you know like shooting herself for it they get off the actual elevator as she's walking away arthur says hey and she turns around and he mimics shooting himself in the head too she smiles at him Later on, we see him follow her to work, dropping her child off, her knocking on the door later that night, saying, were you following me? Him saying, yeah, like stuttering, trying to tell her why, you know, or make up an excuse. She said, I kind of wish you would have come in and robbed the place. He says, I have a gun. I could be there tomorrow. She laughs, says he's funny. He tells her he's a stand-up comedian, and she should come see him. Sometimes she says, okay. We see the progression of him after he kills his the three men going to her apartment, knocking on the door, so she answered, kissing her right then and there. Presumably, they go inside and make love, you know, make the beast with two backs. We see her at the nightclub where he flops as a comedian because he has a he has a condition that tells him to laugh at 
situations that aren't really necessarily funny. He just breaks out into laughter, and it's it's just it's a weird take on why the Joker laughs to say that it's basically a mental issue that he just laughs at things that aren't funny, or you know when he's nervous or when he's upset, he he'll just laugh, and it's a good take on it, and it hits at inopportune times, gets him into trouble at times. And we see that throughout the film, but it also gives a reason for why he's laughing. Um, we see her basically telling him after the three men have been killed and it's become a big news story in the, you know, the paper and the media in Gotham that they deserved it. You know, three less, you know, assholes in the world, you know, a million to go. We see when his mom, mother has a stroke, her sitting there with him, consoling him as she's there. And then later on, we see him when he finds out that a lot, a lot of stuff that he has been told and thought is actually a lie, and that he finds out he was, as a child, adopted by Penny. Um, she was dating a guy who abused him physically, mentally. He was chained to a radiator. He wasn't fed beat and she all she says from her transcripts is i never heard him cry and he realizes that basically his entire life no one has protected him his mother has not protected him nothing he goes to her house he goes to sophie's house the girl he met walks in and i remember being in the theater when he walked just walked in didn't knock i was like arthur what are you doing don't do it don't do it don't do something stupid please don't do something you're going to regret and he sits down on the couch and she puts her, she's putting her daughter to bed. She comes out. She sees him. She says, what are you doing here? You're in the wrong apartment. You're Arthur from down, you know, a few doors down. Is there somebody I can call? Do you need help? And he's saying, I had a really bad day. Mimicking, blowing up. Basically, and that's when you get it, that everything, their whole relationship was in his mind. It shows the, when they're, it it shows they're on a date when she's saying that, you know, three men are dead a million ago. She was never there. When his mother was sick, she was never there. She wasn't at the club. It shows that it was all in his mind. He saw one woman that did a joke to him being nice. And in his mind, they were a happy couple. And you get that throughout this film. You, you get a really, really dark, dark interpretation of all this, of him having delusions of grandeur and being put in positions to where he's enjoying himself when what's really happening isn't really happening. And that seems to be the tone of the film. And even the ending of the film kind of indicates this. With the very end of the film, um, again, spoilers for the 15th time, he's invited onto the talk show that he loves so much. For real, they actually invite him uh, because somebody had actually videotaped his performance at the club, laughing, telling bad jokes. And Murray plays it on the show, and people, and you know, he makes fun of him and jokes about him, calls him a joker. But he got a big response from the crowd, so they invite him on. And this is when he dons the makeup of the joker, goes on TV. You can tell. The confidence that he has there because the whole time his whole entire feat for going on the show is he's going to kill himself that's what he's planning on he's planning to kill himself on live tv in front of everybody 
And if you've ever seen anybody who has committed or suicide, not seen them do it, but known someone who did or even read about it, it seems to be like usually they're happiest right before. Like they seem like nothing's wrong. Like I've gotten better over the depression and everything. And that's because I guess they're letting go. I don't know. But that's what it was. He comes out. He's dancing. He's smiling. The They have a doctor's uh, guest on there. He kisses her. And you can just tell like he's charming. He's being different. And he's being... he He's happy. Or as happy as he could be, I guess. And Murray goes through and they're kind of joking with him. He tells a joke about a, you know, knock, knock, who's there? Uh, it's the police. Your son's been killed by a drunk driver. They tell him you can't do that. That's when he's had, he's had a hard week. He goes into the spill about killing the three guys on the subway, basically starting the entire, you know, lower class versus upper class battle in Gotham. And... He goes into it. Murray's getting on to him. He says, you want to hear another joke? Murray said, I think we've heard enough from you. And he says, what do you get when you take a mentally unstable person and cross it with a society that doesn't care and treats him like an outcast? You get what you fucking deserve. And he blows Murray's brains out dead on live TV. It's all the kills in this. There's very few murders. Like, they, they don't really show him murder a lot of people. I believe... There's five that he actually commits, and it's four gunshots and one stabbing with a pair of scissors from one of his former co-workers who basically got him fired and acted like they were friends, but really treated him kind of like a joke. And you see in one, in the scene where he stabs the guy with the scissors, there's two of his former co-workers. The one he stabs is the one that basically... Like I said, treated him wrong. And he has another one who's a little person, a midget, however you want to pronounce it or call it. And he was always nice to him. Never treated him wrong because I guess he knew what it was like to be different. So he never treated Arthur bad. Arthur didn't hurt him. Arthur said, I'm not going to hurt you. And when he goes to leave, he kisses him on the forehead. He says, you're the only one that was ever nice to me. Basically saying, you know, you're the only friend I have. And it's an intense scene. And you see where his head at to where he... In his mind, he's not hurting anyone that doesn't deserve it. He's hurting people that have hurt him, that, that really deserved to be hurt. And you just see where his mind is at. You, At the very end, after he's killed Murray, they're taking him away in the police corps. He sees the riots, rioting and looting and just destruction going on in Gotham that basically he's created as this quote-unquote vigilante, I guess, this symbol the cop car gets rammed by a, an ambulance that's driven by two clown masked wearing rioters. They pull him out gingerly. We zoom up, and how do we connect all this? We see a theater where they're playing Zorro. Anybody who knows Batman lore knows where this is going. We see Thomas, Martha, and Bruce come out. They're leaving. They try to go down the alleyway to avoid the rioters. One of them follows him. They look at he says, hey, Thomas, you get what you fucking deserve. Shoots Thomas Wayne. Shoots Martha, grabs her pearls, breaks it. So we get the Batman being born scene. We get Bruce Wayne's parents getting killed scene. And we get a brand new interpretation of it. Because in this, it wasn't a robbery. It wasn't just some 
lone gunman or junkie. It was actually just a rioter, somebody who was a lower class. When Thomas Wayne said the lower class people who hadn't made anything of themselves become have become, you know, he they consider them clowns. The upper class does, and that's what this is about. So basically, we get to see the birth of Batman in this, which can connect it to the DC EU, can connect it, but it doesn't. That's what I'm saying. This film is weird because in this, you never really know if this is actually the Joker, Joker, or if this is. The guy calling himself Joker who inspired the Joker later on down the line. Because it can't be the actual Joker facing Batman. Because Joker in this is in his 40s, 50, late 40s, early 50s. Bruce Wayne's, you know, 8 years old. There's no way that this can, this plausibly, they can go at each other. The final scene in the movie ends with Joker, after being in the wreck, then pulling him out, stands up, he's bleeding from his mouth, takes the blood and makes the Joker smile as he's standing on a car with people surrounding him, cheering him, and then he wakes up in a hospital. And this is where the movie gets ambiguous because he's laughing as he's talking to a therapist at a mental at Arkham Asylum. She's saying, what are you laughing at? He says, you wouldn't get it. She says, do you want to tell me? He says, no. And he starts mouthing and singing the words, they're singing the song, Frank Sinatra, That's Life to Himself. The music starts playing, and then we see him run from the room, dressed in all white, all white hallway, leaving bloody footprints, indicating that he's killed the psychologist that was talking to him. So the question about this is, is the Joker movie, did any of this happen? Because we know parts of it didn't happen, parts of it did. There was stuff in his mind. Is all this in his mind? Did all Did any of this happen, or was it just... He ended up going to a mental hospital. He's been there, and his, this all played out in his mind of how all this should have played out and what he would have done is it just a delusional fantasy. It's kind of ambiguous on how it how it plays out. It's kind of a mindfuck to let you know. Basically, you're making your own interpretations of was any of this real. They never say it was. They never say it wasn't. So you get that sense of it, which can be a cop-out, but... The film is done very well. I mean, the the Joaquin Phoenix is an incredible actor in this. The progression he takes from being a man who's just living his life, you know, he knows something's wrong with him, he's living his life, and then progressively through the film, he finds out things that make things worse and worse, and you see him lose lose all sense of himself and all sense of right and wrong but you also see him as he realizes that what's wrong with him isn't necessarily his fault it's it's a very hard thing to pull off and Joaquin Phoenix does a very good job at it the score for it the soundtrack is just amazingly beautiful every every song seems like it fits perfectly Every time, every score of it, every time you hear just orchestra music plays, it works. This film is incredibly done, incredibly well shot. I enjoy the hell out of this film. And even though I didn't want a Joker origin, and I don't consider, I don't even know if I can consider this a Joker origin film. Because when you look at the entire aspect of it and what it's become, it's not like it's... It's not like it's it's connected to anything, so this might not actually be a Joker origin. This is, this is the standalone 
And because it's so short, I don't know if he's in it so less. I don't know if you consider it a Joker film. They could have took this film, named it anything, and I think it would have worked. And I think it could have played out because this is very Taxi Driver-esque. It's, again, one man's descent into madness. And it's just it's a beautiful film. It, it really is, to me. Again, this is anybody's cup of tea, and it takes a while to get into it. But it is a very intense drama that just works and I, I really think it's probably going to win some Oscars just because of the, the, the context of it and the acting in general. The subject matter is very hard to deal with at times. It, it hits home with a lot of people I could get. So at your own risk, watch it because apparently it can trigger people. I don't, I, I don't get it, but of course I'm not in that state. I don't have any of these kind of illnesses like that, so... I can't say what it would might do to someone who feels the same way as he does. But if you are feeling like he does, if you feel like, ask for help, get help. There's ways people to talk to. I mean, that's just 100% how it is. But as far as the backdrop of it, as far as, like I said, the music, the acting, to me, this is just beautifully done. And it is a great, fantastic film. I was worried about it, and I know I've shit on it before it came out because I thought it was just stupid to do a Joker origin film. But again, I don't know if I consider this a Joker origin. And I, w I was wrong about the film being bad. In fact, anybody who knew me knows that I've been writing the Joker film the way I would do it, basically to prove that I could do it better than what they did. I'm, I mean, not, not a complete script, but I, I'm still writing it, and I'm going to put it out as an episode of the podcast so all of you guys can hear it how I would take the origin story of the Joker, how I would put it out, even though I don't want it. I was like, I'm going to prove that I'm going to do a better job because I thought this was going to be just a, a, a clusterfuck. And it turned out to be very well done. But I'm still going to do that because I've committed to it. So I'm going to eventually give you my Joker origin story and how he became to be the clown prince of crime. But until then, go see this film. You will enjoy this film. Again, slow burn, but it's worth the wait because the final 15 minutes, just it, it draws you into the whole thing. You see him going back and forth, him seeing delusions, him not believing what's happening to him just letting go and realizing who he is. And it's beautifully done. So this film, to me, is approved by the Nerd Pool Association of America. Uh, it's a hard R again. Don't bring the kids. There's, there's it. Bruce Wayne's in it, but there's no Batman. So take that what you will. But just know that it can be intense and it can draw you in with scenes of mental instability. But it's worth it. And I think that again, I think it's going to win some Oscars. It's probably going to be the first quote unquote comic film to start winning Oscars. And Joaquin Phoenix is going to be up for Best Actor. I already know. If he isn't, something's wrong. Because he does an amazing, an amazing job here, guys. The visuals, the score, everything. It's just, it's a beautiful film. It's a beautifully done film. And that's about all I can say about the Joker and his origin movie. Y'all follow me on Twitter at NerdPoolPod. Follow me on Instagram at NerdPoolPodcast. Follow me on Twitch at NerdPoolGaming. You know, it's 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 been a pleasure doing this and seeing the film and I'm going to see it again. So 
we'll see how it goes and we'll see where it leads because I know they're rebooting the DCEU. They're talking about doing standalone, other standalone villains, movies, just to see how it goes. This could be a whole new direction for them because it's something different than what Marvel did. And it's something completely different than what Marvel ever did. And this hard R is different than Deadpool. It's different than what Logan was. This is a completely separate film from any comic book film you've ever seen. And maybe that's what they needed to jumpstart everything. So we'll see how this goes. We'll see how it connects. We'll see if this leads to anything. If it leads to Joaquin playing the Joker again. If it leads to, you know, a story of a Joker being the Joker that's in the DCEU coming from that Joker. We'll see how Jared Leto reacts to all this. I don't know. But until next time, guys, that's Nerdpool for this week. Thank you and see ya.